Um, my kids called me Papa, which I loved, although my son often calls me Pops now. That was like from Speed Racer or something. They call never mind. It's a, I usually take advantage of Mother's Day and Father's Day, and I show some pictures. I have a few of my own dad. He was born in 1926, um, Marvin, and he was uh, he passed away about eight years ago. This is uh, he was um, and uh, served as a medic in the Philippines in World War II. He told me after training they gave him two weeks of medic training and then sent him off, and they they did their thing. And if you look at that picture right closely, he looks like a little kid, which he was at the time when he went. Um, most every picture I have of my dad, he's holding fish, so I have a couple pictures of him holding fish here, both as younger and, and older. Um, he loved to fish. And uh, one of the very few pictures I have of my dad and I together is, uh, I think it was my fourth or fifth birthday. Um, cowboys were a big deal back in the days of Westerns, so um, that's uh, my dad and I there. Like Mother's Day, uh, Father's Day can be filled with fun activities and good memories, um, special plans. It can also be filled with, um, can be quite difficult and painful as well. Some of us are remembering dads who have passed away and are not here anymore. Um, some are recalling an abusive or an absent or perhaps a neglectful father. Um, brings up the longings to be a dad for some of us. Um, so today... What I thought I would do is one thing we can all have is we can have a Heavenly Father. And so we want to pay attention to him uh, this morning for two reasons primarily. One is that for those who are fathers this morning or grandfathers, um, the best gift we can give to our kids or our grandkids is through our own lives to give them a little taste, a glimpse of what our Heavenly Father is actually like. Um, it's going to be shown imperfectly for sure, but hopefully when our kids or grandkids begin to meet their Heavenly Father, he's familiar because they've seen something of him in us. So to do that, we need to remember what our Heavenly Father is like and what he gives to us. And the second reason to focus on our Father in Heaven today is that regardless of your experience with your Father, um, through the gift of Christ, um, we get to have an incredible gift, which is the fatherhood of God. Every one of us can have that. And so we want to celebrate what it's like to be in the family of God, our Father. So this morning, I'm just going to remind us that of those who have, through faith in Christ, come to Jesus. Um, as his redeemed children, I want to remind us what the scriptures say about what we have when we have God the Father. Not everything, but a few things. Um, we have a, an earthly father's fail, but our Father in heaven keeps his promises and what his word says about him, he keeps true, and we can take a hold of that and count on it. And they're not just some sentimental, abstract ideas. That's a nice idea to have a Heavenly Father, but they are present. They are real things that are, couldn't be more real than, what, than the seats we sit in today. And if he is your father this morning, you can count on um, these six things that I'm going to share. And by the way, they're all very clear. It's kind of self-explanatory. This morning, I'm just going to basically read the scriptures. This is what he says he's going to be for us. Here's the scriptures, and, and on a few of them, just a very brief comment on them. But for the most part, I just want to let the scriptures remind us of what we have in our Heavenly Father um, this morning. So let me pray, and then we'll walk through these, these passages. Father, thank you. Thank you. For each of us as we sit here. We thank you for the truth of your word. 
We thank you for a history of a, of a father who has not failed in one promise, who rides above the heavens in power and in strength and in sovereignty, who moves all things according to his will, and yet who is intimately present as a father is to his children. And we give you thanks for it. Remind us of that this morning. Encourage hearts that need to be encouraged and build up souls that are languishing. Help us to find our rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So a few promises that God makes to us. First one is, as our Father, he promises to provide. Promises to provide. Matthew 6, 25 through 33. I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will, be, what you will put on. Which are the things, by the way, that we think about all the time, are they not? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds every one of them. Are you not of more value than them? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about what you will wear? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they don't toil or spin. Even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't be anxious, saying, what are we going to eat, and what are we going to drink, and what will we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I was thinking as I was reading that, this never really hit me before. I always read back that God takes care of the flowers of the field and clothes them. Well, they just happen, right? The, the idea here is that he's actually, God is so great as our Father, he's actually connected with everything that's made, all of his creation he's connected with. He cares about it. He actually pays attention to the flowers of the field. And the truth here is that God cares about us way more than that. So how will he not provide for us? Matthew 7, 7 through 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Which one of you, if, if his son asks him for bread, is just going to give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who who ask him. And then James 1, 16 and 17, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We may not always get what we want, which is a good thing. And we may have needs and longings that seem that God perhaps has forgotten them. But the testimony of Scripture is that God absolutely wants what's best for us. Truth is, though, there's other people that want what's best for us too, isn't it? But God wants what's best. But he also knows what is best for us. And we think we know. Other people think they know. But only God can know because only God knows tomorrow. So he wants what's best for us. He knows what is best. And then thirdly, he is able to provide what is best. God is powerful enough to care for all of our needs in his time and in his way in his provision, and he promises to do so. So cling to your Heavenly Father, stay close, 
for he's the one who's promised to provide for us. Second of all, he comforts and protects us. 2 Corinthians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Father of mercies, and he is the God of all comfort. Isaiah 43, 2 and 3, when you pass through the waters, our Father says, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The great truth of Scripture is that when your heart aches, our Father knows about it. When you're filled with fear, our Father is there. When you're suffering, as some of us are, our Father knows your suffering. And in your days ahead, he watches every footsteps. We may pass through floods and trials and flame and all that stuff because we're not exempt from difficulty, but the promise is that our God, our Father, is there with us, comforting and protecting us in the midst. He is above you. He's under you, the scriptures say. He's around you in all those places. There's something unique that moms and dads each provide. There's something about a really loving father that comforts and that protects. And our God promised to be that. Uh, after church on Sundays, um, I don't know if you, we sit out there and we see all the little kids running around and all the young moms and dads who are here. Um, I remember when we first got here before that, the fencing was up. I remember just thinking, Micah was like two at the time. I just remember thinking he's going to go over the edge any minute, you know, or he's going to end up on 4th Avenue or something. We won't know where he is. And they're tripping on things out here. But if you watch the parents out here, the kids are tearing all over the place. Disaster is imminent all the time. And when something happens, somebody, they're right there. You ever notice that they're right there? They are watching. You know, they may not seem like they're watching, but I know you guys as parents, you are watching every move. And our, our Heavenly Father is, is even greater than that. And he's there to provide comfort and protection. He's invested in our lives. Number three, God our Father guides us. Familiar verses, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. The Father has provided the Holy Spirit for us. He's provided his inerrant word to show us his ways. To provide instruction guidance, and insight. And as a child of the Heavenly Father, we never walk without God giving us direction. He may not show us very far ahead, but he guides each footstep in front of us. And he provides all the means we need, as, as I said, his word and the Holy Spirit and one another, in order to pour into our hearts and give us direction and give us guidance. Cassie was just sharing, just as she's walked through her own story, the other people that have intersected with her life to help give guidance, and God does that. Another way he guides comes from Hebrews 12. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good. Get this, so that we can share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. 
but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God guides us as well through his discipline. Not an easy one, but even in that, he gives guidance and direction. It's actually a sign of his love and his care and his protection and his involvement in our lives. One of the city psalms that we sing and always encourages me, it says, we, do not, we don't know what the future holds, but we know that we can trust in you. We'll set our hearts upon the road. We'll love and leave the rest to you. And we can actually say that and sing that and know that God goes before us on each step. He promises to guide. He doesn't just set us off and hope for the best. The Father promises to always be there to guide. Number four, our Father in heaven promises not to leave us. Many of us have had fathers that either left or were just absent or just neglectful or they're present but they weren't really there. Um, God our Father promises never to leave us. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him, that's the Holy Spirit, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. God himself has, through the work of Christ, has allowed the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, so we have direct connection, direct access before our Father. We're not separated from him anymore. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And John 14, 16 through 18 says, I will ask the Father, he will give another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. For I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. We are, as, as his children, even if we don't have an earthly family, the promises of the scriptures, our Father has made him, us his children and he promises never, ever, ever to leave us. He doesn't even create a distance. He gets so intimate that he dwells with us through the spirit, which is within us. They said some of us have lost our fathers. Uh, some has never knew their father, or he left, or just was not present. And the truth of scripture is that we can always turn, and our heavenly father is right there. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's always there. Attentive, not distracted, present, and engaged in our lives is a great promise for us. I'm sure I've told these stories before, but um, when I was really young, because um, we went to a place called Riverview Amusement Park in the north side of Chicago. It was actually built in 1904 and was torn down in 1967. Um, and I, I know if you remember, like when you were little kids, you're walking, everybody's legs look the same. So if, as long as you have something out the corner of your eye, you assume it's your parent, right? And I remember we're, this place is just a madhouse of people. And I remember walking along, and I'm looking, all of a sudden I look, and I'm like, that's not my dad, you know, with this person, some stranger I'm walking alongside. And I remember just this, I, I can still remember this absolute terror. And I just, you, you do, you, you stop and think and figure out what to do, right? You just turn and run, right? You just scream. I remember turning and running. I ran right into this, this woman who grabbed me like that. And I looked and I screamed. And then my dad was right there. I remember he was right there. He was, he was not far, but I thought, he left me, he left me. A second experience, which has shaped my life, um, we were in, uh, at Christmas time, we'd always go down to Marshall Fields in Chicago. There's a Marshall Fields building, which is now the Macy's building. But it was one of those buildings that had, like, the atrium and the big giant Christmas tree that went up to all these stories. And uh, I remember the uh, elevators in there were, um, like, brass or gold color. And it's the same thing. It's always people. You know, there's just people everywhere. And I was probably seven years old or something. And I'm with my family. We're all trying to get around. And I remember everybody's waiting to get in the elevator. 
And I remember, I can still picture it. I remember seeing the elevator close. My whole family is inside. And I'm standing on the outside of the elevator. And I thought, that's it. I'm an orphan for the rest of my life. I remember, I remember actually thinking that. A security guard found me because I started running around and I didn't know what to do. As children of God, I know it doesn't always feel like it because we can't grab a hold of our Heavenly Father, but the promise is he is always there. He's always there. Um, uh, A.W. Tozer talks about the things that are spiritual. Some things don't seem real, but they're actually the most real things. They're the, the thing that's most real of everything. And the reality is our, our Heavenly Father promises never, ever to leave us or forsake us. And then last two, five and six, I'm actually going to put together our Father promises to love us, and our Father delights in us. Matthew 10, 29-31, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father knowing it. Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, for you are more value than many sparrows. And then 1 John 3, 1, See what kind of love the Father has bestowed or given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. I love that the message says this, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We are called children of God, and that's who we really are. Um, we have the love of God the Father poured out into our hearts, the Scripture says, shed abroad into our hearts. We have a Father who actually genuinely, deeply loves us. And by the way, he loved us, when we were enemies. And then he made us his children, which just multiplies all that even more. And he doesn't stop loving us when we disappoint. He doesn't uh, walk away and we have to kind of get him to come back. It's just his love is poured out. And then he delights in us. Romans 8, 15 through 17 says this, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Abba, Father, the Abba is this, it's an affectionate term. And he loves being called that because he delights in his kids. It's like the, the grandfather calling his kids. He just wants to be with them. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Galatians 4, 6, and 7, because you are sons or daughters, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you're a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Matthew 13, 43, then the righteous, I love this, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. We have a, a father that delights in us so much that he wants to take us and allow us to shine in his kingdom. He just wants to show us off. Isaiah 43, 4 says, Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. And then Zephaniah 3, 17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He exalts over you with loud singing. That's what parents do that love their kids and delight in them. In the garden, God delighted in what he made. He looked at Adam and Eve, and he was filled with joy and delight over what he had done. And he loved them. We all have a God-giving longing to be loved and to be delighted in. 
loved without having to offer anything to get it, and delighted it in just for who we are. And our Father in heaven provides that. Scriptures say you are his workmanship. That's like a precious masterpiece or a poem created in Christ Jesus for good works, created to be his delight. Um, I don't know if you experienced that with your, your dad or with other people, but you have a father who has invested himself in you, who says he loves you and he delights in you, and you don't need to do anything for it. And as a matter of fact, anything you can do doesn't lose it. It's just a gift he pours out because that's what he thinks of us. This morning, God offers his fatherhood to anyone who accepts the gift of adoption by trusting Christ and yielding their lives to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus this morning, you have a perfect father who provides, he comforts and protects, he guides your steps, he'll never leave your side, and who can love like no other can, and he beams with delight at the creation that you are. We gather around the table each week to remember and celebrate and to worship because it pictures all that was done in order for us to receive all of that today. Brian, if you can come up. We have a table here, and there's one on the side and one in the back. In just a moment, I'll invite us to take the, come to the table. If you know Jesus, you're welcome to come. We break off the bread, remembering his body given for us, and we dip it in the cup, remembering his bloodshed. I want to read just a paragraph. It's from a, an English nonconformist pastor from the 1800s named John Angle James. And he was commenting on the benediction that says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I will just read the part about the Father, but I love what he says. He says, May the love of God that is the Father be yours. Yours not only in the general sense in which he loves the world, but in that special favor which he bears to his people in all its rich, immense, infinite, and eternal benefits. Admire as you well may this love of God to his people, that he should not satisfy himself with bestowing upon them little things and temporal blessings, but he should confer upon his people all spiritual and eternal blessings and heavenly things in Christ, that he should love them not only for a while but forever and ever, that he should put forth for them the uttermost of his love, this is wonderful. Yes, he has gone to the uttermost in nothing but his love. He has never showed so much of his wisdom and power, but he could show more. He could go on creating and multiplying worlds to eternity, but his love cannot do more or greater things than it has already done in giving us Christ, heaven, and himself. He has left his love no greater work to do, no richer development to make. His love is inconceivable by all but himself. It has heights not to be scaled and depths not to be fathomed, breaths not to be measured and lengths not to be traced, for it passes all of our knowledge. Oh, the greatness of God's love that we get. Admire it, I say, and you, may you possess it in itself and it's all its operations and provisions in time and through eternity. That's the love of God, the Father, we have poured out on us, and it comes to us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, on the cross. So as we sing, if you know Jesus this morning, I invite you to come, celebrate, and give thanks, and remember the goodness of our Father.